Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the first Sunday of Advent for the week of December 3rd, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that welcome to year B within the church year. Welcome to a new church year. I think this is such an exciting time. Happy New Year, if you want to put it that way. But it's always fun for me. I think Advent is a really fun season of preparing and thinking about preparation and what does it actually mean to prepare, especially within our faith, especially as we are moving into this season of giving. What does it actually mean for us as people of the light to be prepared for the light being given to us? And in recognition of remembering what does that gift actually mean? And all for me personally, and I'll get on a little tangent here, I really enjoy gift giving. I don't entirely understand why, but there is the process of figuring something out for someone and figuring out that it's going to be something that fits them or figuring that aspect out is really fun for me. And in doing that, there's an appreciation that comes with that. And I think that's where... The preparation of Advent, for me, feels very familiar. It feels very welcoming in the aspect of how can I prepare myself to understand this in a new way and try to dig deeper into what this gift actually is that God is giving me. And so I really am excited about us being in this Advent journey yet again. And I'm just really hoping that all of us find the time to really do that. I think Advent is such a great time to be able to do that, especially that it comes at the end of our traditional calendar here. And a lot of people are doing a lot of reflecting anyways, so it kind of fits into that. And it also kind of fits into last week's question, which was, how are you going to be observant and thankful this next year? And I think one of the things that I am trying to do personally is there has been some things where I have not taken the best care of myself and over the last few months been trying to work on that some, but I think it's this continued process of me evaluating where I'm at to continue to take care of myself. And a lot of times that means that I need to slow down. I need to breathe. I need to be able to relax. I need to be able to reflect. And if I'm in positions where I'm not able to do that, where I am continually going, 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 that's something that I need to figure out how that's not consistently happening. Because for me personally, that doesn't work well. And I think as a society and as I have talked with people, I feel like this is a very common thing that we all have in common. And especially from some conversations I've had over the last couple of weeks, it's amazing to me that the pandemic, we realized how nice it was to stop. And then since the pandemic has ended, we have refilled our schedules back to the brim of where they were, if not more. And now we're wondering why we're so tired. And I think there is this balance and it kind of brings into the idea of Sabbath that I think we need to recognize and think about and consider. And so in all of that, I think there is definitely some things to be thankful and observant of. And I think for me, it's being observant and thankful for Sabbath, I think is a very important part. And I think as I've talked with people, this is something that I'm hoping all of us can be observant of. So let's just jump into it this week. I'm really excited because we're down to only four readings for an extended period of time here. So our Old Testament reading is out of Isaiah chapter 64, the first nine verses of it. This is a text 
that is showing the power of God. We see this a lot here of tear open the heavens and come down that the mountains quake at your presence. And as when fire kindles brushwood and fires cause water to boil, this power that we get here in verses in one and two and the recognition of how we don't necessarily understand all of it. We don't necessarily deserve all of it, but it's this power that is greater than anything that we have and recognizing that God has that through the first seven verses. And then we get verse eight. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not get exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquities forever. Now consider we are all your people. So this thankfulness along with this repentance that we get at the end of it and recognizing that God is in control but take pity on us type of mentality here at the end of this section. And I think it's this recognition of how powerful God is, but yet also the loving care that God also has for us. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 80, verses 1 to 7 and 17 to 19. So again, this is a recognition of how at times God has gotten angry with his people and how we have caused a lot of harm to each other and this cry that we get of restoring us. Restore us, God. Help us to be able to see your face shine. Help us to be able to be the people who you're wanting us to be. To give us the life, to restore us and recognize that it's you who does that and that it's us who pull us away from who God is calling us to be. That we sometimes stand in our own way and yet the power of God is what is able to steer us back to where we need to be. The second reading or the epistle reading this week is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 to 9. So still in this introductory phase that Paul typically gets into and immediately Paul hits heavy like he typically does. But this idea here of how Christ has strengthened all of us through what Christ has done. He has given us the ability to do what we are called to do. So there is nothing that we are lacking in order for us to fulfill what God has called each and every one of us into doing. So in doing that, we should recognize that we have this amazing gift that has been given to us to allow us to be able to fulfill what God is calling us to do. So in doing that, let's recognize it. Let's utilize it. Let's make sure that we're actually utilizing the gifts that God has given us. The gospel text this week we'll have to get used to is coming out of Mark instead of Matthew, Mark for an extended period of time, chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. And this is kind of nearing the end of Mark and how talking about how the return of Christ is going to look like and how you'll have the angels coming and the elect of the four winds and all these different things. But it also gives this idea of how to look and be observant, looking back to last week, coming from verse 28. From the fig tree learns its lesson. As soon as the branch becomes tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. And this idea then that 
where people sometimes run a little bit too far with this, in my opinion, trying to take all the different signs and such. But I think the real heart of this is the kind of the parable that we get here at the end. That there is a man going on a journey, and when he leaves his home, he puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cock crow, or dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he suddenly comes. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. So this idea of something is coming, something is going to happen. So keep awake. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you have interest in Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some different perspectives and ideas to look at these texts, different ways and different biblical scholars that are writing on these texts. So, if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, and they also have the art, prayers, hymns, colors. It's an amazing resource right there to be able to help prepare you, whether you are in front of the congregation or you're in the pews. One of these places to help mentally prepare you for the next week in worship. Finally, I'd like to plug the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. This is the week that I am writing for. You've heard me talk about it for weeks, but this is the week that I am writing and talking about these texts. And you get to see in my own written word what I am seeing within these texts. So, I am really excited about that. It's been a really cool partnership that I've been doing with them for a long time. I'd highly recommend checking them out. They do ecological echoes, implications, different things that are going on, different ways to think about these texts. I really enjoy the stuff going on over there. There's a lot of times that I do take a peek and see what other people are looking at and thinking about with these texts. So if you haven't checked that out, it'll be the first link in the show notes. I'd highly recommend checking it out. And heck, Take a look at what I come up with as I'm going to write this. I'll tell you this. I'm recording this first before I write that. So I'm really excited about it. I really hope that you check out and see how people are doing these reflections. The Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. Just amazing different ecological echoes and implications and urgencies over there to be able to bring in into your weekly preaching or preparing routine. Last week, we talked about observations, and I stated within that that I was looking at a word that it was jumping off the page but was never written on the page, and that was observation. This week, there is another word that is jumping out to me that is never stated in the NRSV UE updated edition, and that is prepare. Prepare. Recognizing that there's a lot of things that are not in our control, but we can still prepare. And I think within our culture, and especially in the northern hemisphere, with the season that we're moving into with winter, we are preparing. Heck, even if you're in the southern hemisphere, you're preparing for summer. You're preparing for all these different projects and things that you're going to be working on. Meanwhile, in the northern hemisphere, you're preparing 
for colder temperatures, what am I going to do? And especially in your upper half of the northern hemisphere, we're preparing for snow. The location I'm at, as I'm recording this, we do not have snow. But I've been preparing for it for a solid six weeks at this point already. Prepare, prepare, prepare. How did I get to this point? When you're looking at that Isaiah text, especially the first seven verses, it's the recognition of the power of who God is. It's that recognition of what God can do. The recognition of the strength, the storms, the things that can come. Recognizing what God is capable of and yet how we are not worthy of it. But yet God still loves us and we see that eight and nine, the hope in a way of remember we're your creation. Remember we're your people. Remember us. Show pity on us as we are trying to recognize where we have made wrong, where we fall short of what you have called us into. We see it in the psalm. This recognition of give us some grace, God. Recognize that we are trying. Recognize, give us some forgiveness. Help us be able to get there. And we talked about the first Corinthians that we are capable of all these different things. And then we need to be prepared. Keep awake. Be prepared for when the master returns. So where is the science tie-in with this? I think the science tie-in is a pretty easy one. And I think there's also another part to this of where it's more difficult for us. So let's start with easy and build from there. The easy way to look at this is bird migration. So especially if you're in the upper half, or so the northern half of the northern hemisphere, or the southern half of the southern hemisphere, or we notice this really around the globe though, migration. And what triggers migration? It's the photoreceptors within the brain notice that the days are shortening, which triggers a hormonal change within birds to stimulate new feathers, that will help stand up to longer flight. And these same hormones trigger a huge appetite so they are eating a significantly more food and they're more restless. They are preparing. And then think about it. There's bird species that are going to be flying thousands of miles and they have a matter of months to prepare. So suddenly, yes, their diet changes and they start going into this train, train, train. And what is also happening at the same time, typically, they are also having more hormones for breeding are decreasing at the same time. This is usually after the second clutch, if they're a two-clutch bird, but it's typically after the breeding season's over. This is why you'll start seeing like geese who are very territorial initially start letting go of some of these boundaries, welcoming more birds in to start training together, realizing that working together, they are able to accomplish more. This is not an easy journey, and especially that these birds typically do it two times a year. There are birds taking hummingbirds, for instance, who will break down their own muscle nearing the end of their spring migration to make sure that they get to where they need to go because they have this desire to keep going and they know where they need to get to. But they also recognize taking geese, for instance, or any of these birds, the amount of flight that it's going to take, the amount of training that it's going to take. And we as humans can recognize this. When somebody is going to do 
some of these major running or endurance exercises or even strength exercises. It's not like I suddenly go to the gym and decide today is the day I'm going to bench 405. No, I'm going to have to start, especially depending if I've ever benched before, I'm going to have to start at the beginning and I'm going to have to build and I'm going to have to build. And there might be times where I'm hitting plateaus where I'm going to have to modify things within my day-to-day routine. I might have to modify how I'm doing the exercise to be able to help me get to that next level. But it's all about preparation. In order for these birds to be successful in what they're trying to do, they have to prepare. For months, they are preparing for this to make sure that they are able to do it. And we can give great appreciation to it. That's why we have the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. It's why when you look at sandhill cranes when they're doing their spring migration that they do a layover in like the Nebraska Platte River area and that there is no hunting there and a lot of them will be there for multiple weeks because they're refueling to be able to continue their journey. We are able to recognize and be in awe of this. And even within humans, when we are able to do these amazing endurance exercises or being able to do these amazing strength exercises, we are in awe. When people talk to marathon runners or even half marathon runners or triathlon people or Ironman triathlons, people are amazed at the commitment, the time, the work that it takes in order for them to be able to do this. But they are preparing and being ready so that when they get to that time, they are prepared. Here's the thing. We don't get that deadline of when that preparation is needed. We don't know when the master's returning. So thus, we have to just be prepared. And that means when we're sometimes getting difficult and unfortunate and hard news, It means that we need to be putting resources to preparing for that, even if it's hard. And that's where I'll attach down below. There's an Axios article that came out this last week talking about how when we've taken into some of these agreements, specifically like the Paris Agreement that we made just a few years ago, when you are looking at the data taking from nationally determined contributors, so NDCs, They are saying that the world right now is at pace to warm 3 degrees Celsius, between 2.5 to 2.9, so almost 3 degrees Celsius by 2100 as compared to pre-industrial levels. And we also have talked about on this podcast before where we know that this isn't sustainable. This is going to drastically change the world. And the thing is, is how we have evolved and everything in God's creation here has evolved for slow evolution, not rapid evolution like what we're talking about. A matter of a few hundred years is incredibly fast for evolutionary purposes. So when we're talking about this, and I'll attach the article down below, I'm not going to get into all the details, but just how fast All this stuff is changing and the things that we're noticing. This then to me, if we are supposed to be taking care of this place and we're noticing this, that the master could be returning and it's not returning in the same way in which it was presented and given to us. 
Is the master going to be happy and satisfied with that? This gets back into a couple of weeks ago when we talked about like the water aquifer issues that we're having. If we're recognizing that and we're not doing anything, it's going to damage not only the people living in those areas, but the whole world because of how dependent we have become on each other in a good way for food. But the downside to that is if we make poor decisions, it affects everyone, not just one area. And I think that's where we're struggling with this idea of that we have been given a place for all of us to live, for all of us to take some ownership stake in, to be a part of, to work. And then yet, in that, that means that we also then need to take responsibility no matter how hard the news is. You get the blessings, but you also have the things that the hardships come along with it. We see these hardships, we look at these hardships, we recognize that there's all these hardships and things that need to happen. But in that, if we decide, well, that's not convenient because it means that I'm going to have to drastically change things within my lifestyle and I'm not comfortable with that, then it gets back to this comment of, are you then bigger than the God in Isaiah that we've talked about? The birds prepare for these trips of migration. The thing that we don't talk about is they are still going through major storms can come up, major storms of rain or snow, both ways when they're migrating to where they're going to breed and when they're leaving if they don't leave fast enough. And even as they're traveling, they can still hit weather systems along the way that make it more difficult. But do they just then suddenly, whatever, God, I'm just done with this. I'm done being a bird. I'm going to sit here and pout about it. No. Some will go straight through. Some will pause for a few days and refuel and then continue on, depending on the bird species. But they recognize that there's going to be hardships that come and they, they still have to continue on. I feel what's weird sometimes, when, especially when we start talking the climate issue, that sometimes it's like we suddenly don't want it to apply to us. Well, this is something that we should be doing as a people, but for some reason, parts of us feel that we can eliminate ourselves from that, which then gets to this whole aspect of like what is talked about here in Isaiah in 8 and 9. God is the potter. We are the clay. God's hand is going to be in this. God is recognizing and seeing what is going on. God isn't letting us know when God's going to return. But we have to be prepared for it. God recognizes that what the place looked like when God left. When Jesus left, God knew what the world looked like. If God returns, is God going to still be happy with it? And I think that's where with some of these different things, and yes, the environmental side of me comes out, I think we can do better. And would we not want to impress the master when the master returns? Would we not want to be congratulated? When the master returns? Because we recognize that with birds. It's amazing. It's something that we look forward to when birds return. We recognize the journeys that they do and how amazing it is for them to do. Why as humans are we cutting ourselves off from doing this potential great thing? We recognize the damage of what we did and then we figure out what we're going to do about it. It's part of the preparation. If something falls apart, okay, well then what am I going to do to fix this? Yes, it's not going to necessarily go back to the way that it was perfectly, but can we get near that location again? Can we get to a place where it's similar, at least? 
And what we can then talk about when the master returns, this thing happened and we didn't realize what we were doing and it made it worse, but we worked on it and we worked really hard and we were able to see significant progress. And it caused us to figure out some great, amazing things. We learned more about your creation and we really grew as people. Do you not think God, in the recognition of returning, would be happy and satisfied? I think that's one of the things that I think we as people have to keep reflecting on. I think it's this idea that we as humans, for whatever reason, there's a part of us that always thinks that we're going to live forever. And we know that we're not, but we don't want to confront it. And part of the confrontation of that life will end, I think then also encourages us that there will be people who live longer than me, so let's leave the place better. Let's work together. Let's work together like geese to make the work lighter. Let's flock together and do training flights together so that we're able to do all these great things together. Because I think that is a key to this. And I think especially in this season of Advent of preparing for God, that all those themes come streaming through. So I think the question for this week is, how are you preparing and how are you preparing together with others? So how are you preparing for the season of Advent? And how are you preparing together with others for the season of Advent? Because we know as Christians where we're going. And we as humans love having dates on calendars. And we know which date we need to circle here in December. That things need to happen by this date. But I also think then, why aren't we doing this as a global world? Why aren't we looking and actually being able to look ourselves in the face and say, there is things that sometimes take more than a month to prepare for. There are things that sometimes when things are going wrong that we really need to work on. And it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take all of us. And it's going to take some humbling of pride. And it's going to be mean that we're going to have to admit some faults and work hard. But the thing is, as humans, those are the stories we really enjoy. The stories where people work hard to be able to accomplish something. The ones who work super hard, and at the end of the story, they were able to do it. Especially as Americans, we love this story of tighten up the bootstraps and look at what we were able to accomplish. Then why aren't we doing this as a global community with our globe? We have the opportunity. We have things and ways that we could make it better. Let's do it. Let's make it better. Let's take some learnings from our feathered friends and prepare. And the preparing is going to be a lot of work. It's not going to be easy. Heck, I can bet that a small bird and how much preparing and how many test flights that they're doing and the amount of miles, it's not easy work. It's not going to your local airport and just sitting on a plane for however many hours to get to your destination. It's work. And the problems that we have environmentally within this planet are going to take work. But... The achievement of us being able to do it as a society and something that we are able to hang our hat on as a people and say, look what we were able to do and look at how it made the world better and being able to be connected in a way that we weren't when we started this problem and being able to all work together in it is amazing. And it's something to be treasured and, and recognized. As we enter this beginning season preparing us for Christmas, I think that's one of the aspects that we need to recognize is 
Yes, there's the observation and slowing down, but then there's the actual preparing and the work that needs to happen too, and making sure that those are in balance in order for us to actually really understand the meaning of what this whole season is about. So as we are entering into the beginning of a chaotic part of the church year, I think listening and thinking about the preparation and observation and balancing those and how we make sure that we are doing both becomes more and more important. Because for us to be able to prepare for the coming of Christ, we need to be observant of who Christ is in our world and know how to prepare for So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.